You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. He sees your pain. He knows the perfect time to come to you. He knows the perfect time to be there and say, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. Jesus comes to bring us help. He comes to bring us comfort. He comes just when we need him the most. Remember, he's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. Just in the nick of time, Jesus shows up to comfort us, to help us, to get us through the midst of the storm. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that Jesus isn't oblivious to your pain. He knows the struggle that you're facing, and he'll help you work through it. Just like the disciples in the boat, he'll come to you in your hour of need in the most unlikely way. Maybe through a friend or family member, but he never leaves you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5. As he begins his message, the disciples get a pop quiz. Please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, specifically 15 through 21. John 6, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 21 today. There are a lot of things I could have called this message, but I took this approach. So if you will bear with me, you might understand some of my strange thinking. So uh, if you found your place there, John 6... Verse 15, I'm going to read aloud. If you'd like to follow along silently, please. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the boat, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So I was reading a book the other day called The Master Teacher. And the author, by the name of Brian Dixon, says this about Jesus. Let me quote it to you. Quote, if there is one aspect of Jesus' life and ministry that all Christians and even non-Christians agree upon, it is the fact that Jesus was a teacher. Not only was he called teacher, rabbi, but the totality of his ministry was teaching the world about himself. Jesus unquestionably had the greatest teaching ministry the world has ever seen, unquote. Jesus was the ultimate teacher. From the age of 12, when he sat in the temple amidst all the leaders, and they were astounded by the authority in which he spoke, all the way leading ultimately to a cross, Jesus taught. 
Jesus taught everywhere he went. He never missed an opportunity to teach. In fact, the Bible itself calls Jesus teacher 45 times. And it's interesting that the Bible calls his followers disciples, and disciples mean learners. So Jesus was the teacher, and the disciples were the learners. Jesus knew that he would only be with his disciples a short time. He knew that he must teach them all he could in the time he had. He knew that the time would come when he would not be with them to be able to teach them and lead them and help them to apply their faith and live through the storms of life in an ever-changing world. Also, being a master teacher, Jesus knew how to test his students. And from time to time, he would throw in a pop quiz just to see if the students were actually learning what he was teaching. Now, let me take you back to those thrilling days of yesteryear. You all remember in the classroom when you got there and you were sitting there and you had your books open to the chapter when the teacher walked in and said, okay, class, put your books away. Today we're going to have a pop quiz. Right away you're thinking, oh my, did I remember what we talked about yesterday? Let me see, if I wasn't writing that letter to that girl I liked, did I remember what we were talking about? Oh no. And this dread came upon you because you didn't know how to answer. For those of you who have been away from school a lot longer than some, a pop quiz is a short test given without notice. That's why they call it pop. Get it? This is not rocket science. Pop quizzes are given for various reasons. They help the students. They help the students to pay attention because you never know when a pop quiz was going to come up. They encourage the students to study regularly because you never know when a pop quiz is going to come up. And they help the student to retain the information and keep their mind to what is being taught sharp. The student receives immediate feedback because all pop quizzes are either one thing, fail or pass. I used to hate that about pop quizzes. Pop quizzes are great for the teacher. Helping the students focus on important information. It helps the teachers focus on the important information that they want the students to learn by reinforcing it through a pop quiz. The teacher then can adjust and modify their teaching and their education. If everybody flunks the pop quiz, the teacher might think, well, maybe the point didn't come across as good. Maybe they might try a different method of teaching. You know how it goes. Plus, for the teacher, they're much easier to grade. In today's verses, Jesus gives the disciples a pop quiz. They don't know it's coming, but Jesus does. It's a pop quiz. Let me set the scene for you. The disciples are coming down from a high. What had happened the previous day was mind-boggling. It was jam-packed with ministry opportunities. And it ended with the beautiful feeding of the 5,000 on the mountain. Jesus took the five barley loaves. He took the two fish. He gave thanks to God and then told the disciples to pass it out. And as they passed it out, Miraculously, they fed 5,000 men. We don't know how many total were there because they only counted the men back in those days. Miraculously, they all ate. And when they gathered up the leftovers, there were 12 baskets remaining. Remember, we said that this was a doggy bag for each of the disciples. The disciples experienced a miracle. They experienced great joy of being a part of it. When you're a part of a miracle, it's exciting. When you see things happening, when you see answered prayer, it becomes very, very exciting. It must have been thrilling for them. They had these bags of loaves and fishes, and they're giving them out. They knew there were only two fishes. They knew there were only five loaves. But yet every time they walked around, they kept on giving them out. Imagine 
They kept on giving them out. They were looking around like, what's going on? Would have loved to have seen their faces as they collected the leftovers. Did we start out with two fishes? But something else was brewing in the heart of the people who had eaten. After witnessing the miracle, they had another idea. And Jesus knew about it. And this is where we begin today's message. Look at verse 15. Therefore, because of everything that happened, remember, when you see the word therefore, you have to know what it's there for. After everything that had happened, after all the things that had happened, the loaves and the fishes, Jesus perceived that they, the multitude, were about to come and take him by force and make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself to be alone. The people knew what was going on. They saw this great miracle of Jesus, and they thought, hey, wait a minute. Could this guy be the prophet that Moses was talking about? The prophet that Moses wrote that said would come? He was kind of like me, and he would do manifestations of God's mercy and grace? Surmising that Jesus was special, possibly even the Messiah, the people wanted to make him king. They wanted to force him to become king. I mean, after all, if he could solve the food problem, just think of what he could do with the government. Just think of what he could do with all our problems. In fact, maybe he could just run Rome right out of here. Maybe he could take care of Rome and get them out of Judea altogether. But Jesus perceived this because Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. In fact, Jesus knows what's in your heart right now. He knows exactly what's in your heart, whether you're receiving this or whether you're thinking about something else. He knows right now. He perceived this. So he departed quickly. He wasn't going to allow them to make him king. Let's read verses 16 and 17. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and they got into a boat and went over to the sea of, toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come. The disciples go down to the sea, and they get into a boat. But you have to complete the whole story. Remember like last week when we looked at the harmony of the Gospels? We said in order to get the entire story, you had to look at the harmony of the Gospels because Matthew and Mark fill in the gaps that are missing from John's account. Luke doesn't even mention it. And many believe the reason Luke doesn't mention it is because he wasn't there. So Matthew, Mark, and John were there. Actually, Mark is writing Peter's Gospel, so Peter was there. So looking at Matthew's account and Mark's account, it says that Jesus compelled them. In other words, he made them get in the boat. He commanded them to get into the boat. So this is a whole different story. He made them get in the boat. So this was the beginning of the pop quiz. Several things are happening here. A storm is brewing. Jesus knew it. And he sent the disciples into the storm to test their faith. Why would Jesus send these men into a storm like that? Why would he do that? One commentator said this. I love this. Quote, the feeding of the 5,000 was the lesson, but the storm was the examination after the lesson. I like that. Number one, Jesus was trying to keep the disciples from getting caught up in the crowd mentality. If the crowd started saying, let's make him king, let's make him king, some of the disciples said, yeah, that's a good idea, we should. I mean, after all, we've been around him more, we've seen all kinds of things. He needed to get the disciples away. He needed to turn their faces back to the spiritual. He needed to take them from what was worldly, let's make him king, Back to the spiritual. Remember, Jesus is always thinking spiritually. He also needed to teach them some things. Jesus needed to teach them several things. 
and he needed to give the disciples new direction. He had to put some kind of balance in their lives. We need balance in our lives. After such a great mountaintop experience, they could be in danger. I mean, if Jesus didn't balance their lives, pride might set in, as if they had something to do with the miracle. Because Jesus did use them. Remember, it's great to be used by Jesus in a miracle. Jesus used them to help perform the miracle. So they might think something like, well, wait a minute. I had a hand in this. I did some of this stuff. I mean, I gave out the things. They might be, become proud. What comes before a fall? Pride. Yeah, pride. Jesus was worried that they might fall away. Jesus was worried that they might be prideful. Now, ever notice how testing comes after you've been on a mountaintop? Those of you who have been on retreats, maybe even lately, those of you who have had, had wonderful times with the Lord, you've had mountaintop experiences where the Lord has worked mightily in your lives, maybe a healing, maybe this, maybe that. He's done miraculous things. Ever notice how all of a sudden a test comes right after that? I mean, usually I tell people who go on retreats, now be ready as soon as you get home, something has happened or will happen. Something either is happening right now or will happen. And you need to be aware of that. These mountaintop experiences are wonderful, but we have to come back down. And we have to balance our lives. We have to balance our lives. So Jesus sets this pop quiz of motions by getting the disciples into, the, into a boat. So the disciples do get in the boat. But Jesus hadn't arrived yet. Jesus had not arrived. I am sure that as fishermen, they began to get frustrated. They began to get very, very frustrated because after all, there may have been a tide to catch. There may have been a tide to catch. They, they were looking around, but as fishermen, they could look out in the sea and they saw the storm brewing too. They were not stupid fishermen. They were very intelligent fishermen and they saw the storm brewing. They knew what the Sea of Galilee could be like during a, a storm. Did you know that the Sea of Ga Galilee sits 600 feet below sea level? It sits 600 feet below sea level and those storms whip in there and whip around and it can get pretty, pretty nasty. So they saw that. They saw the storm and it was getting dark. So it was one thing to row out there in the dark, but now row out there in the dark of night and the dark of a storm? Things were getting pretty dicey. They were getting pretty scared. And according to the Gospels, Jesus had gone to the mountain to pray. These disciples were ready to rock and roll. Come on, let's get this going. Let's get an order. Let's get out of here. But their master wasn't there. In fact, in verse 17, it says that Jesus hadn't come to them yet, which means they expected Jesus. They expected him to come along. And I'm sure now the more the wind blew, the more nervous they got. And the thought of rowing into the storm was not the best solution, especially since Jesus wasn't there yet. Now you have to remember, according to the harmonies, this is the second time that they're going to be in a storm on a boat. This is the second time that they're going to be in a storm on a boat. Matthew records this in Matthew 8. But Jesus was present with them at that time. He was asleep at the front of the boat. He was there with them, and they went and woke him up. The disciples seemed to trust in him when he was there. But Jesus was trying to teach him to trust in him when he wasn't there, to trust in him beyond belief when he wasn't in their midst. Jesus was preparing them for a time when he would no longer be with them. He was preparing them that we could read this so that we might know that Jesus is always with us, even though he might not be here physically. 
lives. The disciples were left on their own, so they thought. So the storm is fast approaching. The waves are getting bigger. I'm sure one of the fishermen who said, we can't wait any longer. We got to get out of here. He told us that we need to go, so let's go. And it probably was Mr. Impatient, Mr. Impetuous Peter. He probably said, we got to get out of here. Come on, let's go. Yeah, we all can relate to Peter. So they begin rowing to sea in the dark. The wind is howling. The waves are already crashing against the boat. They obeyed Jesus' command. They did exactly what he told them to do. They head out towards Capernaum. So by faith, they passed the first part of the test. They obeyed the master's command. They obeyed Jesus' command. You know, sometimes we're sent into the storm. Sometimes Jesus actually sends us into the storm. But he's always faithful to be with us in the midst of the storm. He's always faithful to be there when we need him, always. Now, many of us, myself included, would rather avoid the storm. We would rather that the storm didn't come, or I would be the one, do we have to go out now? I didn't take my drama mean. It's going to be nasty out there. Do we have to go out now? Can't we wait a while, like until three weeks from now? But sometimes the test is to go into the storm. And by faith, know that the outcome will be according to God's purpose, which is always good. God's purpose is always good for our lives, no matter what it might look like to us. It's always good. Look at verse 18. And the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. Now it's at full force. This, whatever's happening, is a full force. Listen to the scripture in Matthew's account. Tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. That's the New King James. The um, NASB says battered by the waves. So this was quite a storm. This was no small blow. This was quite a storm. I wonder, as they're in there, if Peter didn't say, wait a minute, somebody wake up Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's not here. I wonder if they did that. They had to face the storm by themselves. They had to trust Where was Jesus? Where's Jesus? According to Mark, like a good teacher, he was on the mountaintop looking at the boys. Go get them, guys. I'm praying for you. He was seeing how his guys were doing. He saw that they were having an easy time. Mark tells us that they were straining at the oars because they were going into the wind. You know, when you row a boat, you have your back to where you're going. And they were straining into the oars because the wind was blowing so hard against them. I wonder what was going through their mind. I'm sure some of them were going, yeah, get in the boat and row. Yeah, sure, we'll do it. No different than we are when we go through a storm. I'm sure all of you go through a storm and say, oh, Jesus is great. Jesus is fine. No, I've seen some of you in the midst of your storms. Yeah, you've seen me in the midst of some of my storms. Lord, get me out and get me out now. That's what they were doing. They were straight. They were struggling. Verse 19, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. The disciples are rowing with all their strength right into the wind. They're not moving very fast because the wind is blowing right against them. The waves are crashing into the boat. Somebody probably is bailing while they're rowing. It's crazy. It must have been a wild time. The wind is howling, and all of a sudden they look out in the sea, and they see this figure approaching them. Can you imagine them rolling? You see that? Oh, no, I don't see anything. Look harder. I don't see anything. Yeah, there's somebody out there. There's something out there. Who is that? And you know what is crazy, Mark? And Matthew said, 
that Jesus was trying to overtake the boat. So he must have really been motivating, man. He must have been really walking, trying to overtake the boat as they were trying to row. They see this figure approach and they became scared. Matthew and Mark say they thought it was a ghost. I guess so. I would be scared too. What's that in the mountain in the middle of the water? Where is his boat? Why is he not in a boat? What's going on? I would be scared too. Pick up the oars so we have something to hit it with. They didn't know what it was, but it was coming at them. They were afraid. Mark adds this remarkable detail in Je about Jesus. He was meant to pass them by. Jesus actually wanted to walk right by them. He wanted to walk right by them. It's as if he wanted them to trust in him, and just the vision of him would give them the strength that they needed and the assurance. Jesus was helping them in the midst of the pop quiz. He was helping them in the midst of He was giving them a clue. He was giving them a hint. He was giving them assurance that he was with them, and they were not to be afraid. And look at verse 20. These words, I don't know about you, but I've needed to hear these words sometimes going through a storm. I've needed to hear these words in verse 20. But he, Jesus, said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Oh, my gosh. They heard his voice in the midst of the storm. Jesus appears to them walking on the water. He relieves their fears and their frustrations. And in the midst of the storms of your life, Jesus knows your struggle. He sees your pain. He knows the perfect time to come to you. He knows the perfect time to be there and say, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. Jesus comes to bring us help. He comes to bring us comfort. He comes just when we need him the most. Remember, he's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. Just in the nick of time, Jesus shows up to comfort us, to help us, to get us through the midst of the storm. Jesus appears. I don't care what storm you're facing today. Jesus is ready to appear in the midst of your storm and say, don't be afraid. It's I. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Believe, have faith, have faith, believe. See, this is what Jesus was testing for. It was after Jesus presented himself that we have that beautiful picture where Peter stands up and says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come on. And Peter gets out and walks on the water. You know that? You remember that? And as long as he was looking at Jesus, things were going rosy and he was walking. But all of a sudden the waves lapped around his feet. He got scared. He looked at the water and sank like a rock. Peter, Cyphus, the rock, he sank just like his name, man. As long as Peter's eyes were on the Lord, he was able to stay atop the water. But once he looked at the sea and took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. This is a great lesson for us to learn in the midst of the storm. Going through a storm today? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're not going through a storm today? Keep your eyes on Jesus. I said, if you're going through the storm, and some of you went, no, I'm not going through a storm. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, buckle up. Buckle up, bucko. The storm's on its way. Great lesson. You are sure. The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.